first had been. He had a son and two daughters he never saw, and he'd been tried for rape. The statutory rape of two girls he swore he'd never even seen before they appeared in the courtroom. He'd been acquitted on all counts, but the highly publicised trial had dragged him through a stench that still lingered. He wouldn't have known what to do with himself if it hadn't been for the Zaka, his schooner. Its name was a Samoan word for peace. A month after the trial, He'd set sail with his man Ramon, a first-class Mexican sailor, steering the Zaka through the Panama Canal, heading for Haiti. One day the sky had turned red like a puffy wound, the barometer fell, the radio signals went, then the hurricane winds hit suddenly, ripping the storm sail, washing away all their supplies, their maps and passports. The storm had passed quickly, but for two days they'd drifted in a shark-filled sea with no idea where they were. Then he saw a body of land in the distance. He could make out a harbour town nestled below the most serene mountains he'd ever seen. As he got closer, he grew puzzled. There was something familiar about it, especially the stone fort at the edge of the water with its black cannons pointing to sea. There were some boys sitting along the fort's wall watching the Zaka drift in. "'What is this country?' Flynn shouted across to them. "'Jamaica!' He laughed. "'Jamaica?' "'Onward to Jamaica and to victory!' had been his battle cry on the set of Captain Blood, his first leading role. It had made him a star. Of course, the whole thing had been filmed at the studio, not on location, but hadn't he defeated a Spanish fleet here and saved the island?' Some fishermen towed the boat in. They seemed unfriendly, and particularly suspicious of Ramon, whom they mistook to be Cuban. Flynn saw a sign that said, Welcome to Port Antonio. A Coast Guard officer led them to a small wooden office, where he telephoned his superior. I have a Cuban here, sir, and he's with an American named Earl Flint. What should I do, sir? Flynn found a scrap of paper and wrote out his correct name, and the man spelled it out over the phone. All right, sir. Yes. Police car coming to take you to Kingston, the Coast Guard officer said. Flynn asked if he and Ramon could have something to eat, and they were taken to a cartman selling food and soft drinks along the pier, and it was there, out on the pier, that he was recognised by the Indian ladies selling bangles. The usually demure sari-clad ladies became agitated, One of them ran down the pier shouting, Harry Flynn, oh God! Soon, there was a small crowd around him of tourists and Jamaicans. In the commotion, someone either fainted or fell. Finally, the police jeep arrived, and Flynn and Ramon were taken to Kingston. The Evening Star reported, Flynn's fans faint, women fall unconscious at movie star's feet. After this report in the Star... Fainting became epidemic among the young women of the island whenever they glimpsed Errol Flynn, or thought they had. Some pretended to faint, so they could say they had seen him. All the attention had turned to Kingston, where Flynn was being royally entertained and courted by the country's richest families. The British High Commissioner had a dinner in his honour. A wealthy Jamaican named Aaron Levy invited him to stay at his beach hotel in Ocho Rios. Flynn was aware of a light-heartedness he hadn't felt in ages. Jamaica reminded him of the most enjoyable years of his life, the years he'd spent in the South Seas before he'd become an actor. Here was everything he wanted. Warm climate, wonderful food, 
deep-sea diving, sailing, peaceful countryside, and the people spoke English. This must be the paradise written about in the Bible, he said on a local radio show. But there was still the problem of Flynn's passport having been lost at sea. The world's handsomest man actually had no proof that he was Errol Flynn. His wife in California sent him the only identification she could dig up, a copy of their marriage certificate, but since it was only a copy, he needed to have it notarized. Aaron Levy remembered that his cousin, Eli Joseph, was a justice of the peace. Port Antonio was forty miles away, and Levy could easily have gotten someone closer to notarize the copy, but this way, he thought, Flynn would be able to see how the repairs were going on his boat. Eli's a bit of a character, Levy told Flynn, but he'll take good care of you and show you round.